It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, ends up, yes. caught, touchdown, did he get it? Hello, everyone. Well, that sounds ugly. It's all echoey in here. Hope you guys aren't hearing that. Yeah, because it sounds really echoey on my end. I'm going to have to see if I can figure that out. Um, so I had a bit of a, a last-second um, notification. I wasn't aware that... Uh, Eric Franson wasn't going to be on today. He's uh, still on his way back. Um, he's he's making his way back from uh, from his vacation. We were off uh, earlier this week. We took a break for the holidays, um, and uh, so we didn't have the show. I don't think we had it on Friday. I don't know. I can't remember. All these things keep blurring together, but. Didn't have the show Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. And then we're finally back today, but Eric's not quite back yet. So I'm going to be doing the show solo. And let me know if it's sounding echoey to you guys, because it may just be my headphones. But if you want to text in, either to tell me how bad the sound is or if I'm just going crazy because I haven't been on the show in a while. And it may just sound different because I haven't talked into a microphone with a headset on uh, in several days. Uh, you can text in at 435-339-0321. Got a lot to talk about today, so it won't be too hard for me doing this show solo. Because you've got to talk about Utah State basketball. You've got to talk about Utah State football just playing in the first responder bowl. Also, the transfer portal is hitting the Aggies hard at the moment. They've lost a couple of uh, players. Um, And it it seems like there's going to be more. The rumblings seem to be that there's going to be a lot more players transferring. So you got to watch a lot of players who, you know, initially the, the list was comprised of people who weren't getting any playing time or... You know, or I guess basically that was just basically guys who weren't getting playing time and weren't really expected to get playing time going forward, or at least didn't seem likely. Most of the names that we'd known that had gone into the transfer portal were guys whose names you kind of have to look up and be like, all right, who is that guy again? Because they were down there still kind of in the development part of the uh, Utah State program. There's like half the roster that you know, then there's the half of the roster that's filled with names that you've kind of seen because maybe see you see their name on the roster or you see them on the sideline, but they're not really likely to play because they're redshirting or developing or, or whatnot. 
a lot of guys that were on that bottom half of the roster on the defensive end actually got to play this year. So we got to know a lot more names on the defensive side. But most of the guys who had transferred as of, you know, like yesterday or Tuesday, you know, when when the bowl game happened, it was comprised of those guys. And kept thinking that, sure, there's going to be more players, more players coming, but it still hits you when you see the names that start to, to roll off. Two that have pretty much confirmed, um, I believe they've posted it on like their own social media and there's been confirmation uh, otherwise. Not that you really need confirmation otherwise. They post it on their own social. But you have Daniel Grishik, which that one... I mean, so far, the ones that are confirmed, I've heard rumblings that Byron Vaughn's may also uh, transfer, but he hasn't confirmed anything, and we've not seen any confirmation from anyone. But another one that, that caught me off guard was Waylon Lapuaho. Uh, so you have a starting defensive end, Utah State's uh, best pass rusher, uh, You know, both at least in terms of when you watch him on film, but also just the stats that he put up. Uh, Grishik had eight and a half sacks this season, led the team. The next closest was uh, Holly Motuapuaka, who had five. Uh, he's expected to come back. He does have one more year thanks to COVID eligibility. So uh, you'll, you'll have the second guy in sacks, but you're going to lose Daniel Grishik. And then Waylon Lapuaho, who started all 13 games this season for the Aggies. Now, he didn't play every snap. He was actually... Uh, sharing snaps. I think he was actually fourth or fifth in terms of total snaps, despite playing every game. Uh, Alfred Edwards, who played one fewer game, actually played like two or three hundred more snaps than than Lapuaho did. But still, you get a guy who, as a a freshman, is able to start every single game for you to position like O line. That's impressive, and it showed that he had a lot of potential for the future. And you look at Alfred Edwards; he was another guy who started as a freshman. Granted, I think Waylon was a true freshman. Alfred started as a redshirt freshman. And Alfred ended up having a, you know, a pretty solid career here at Utah State as, as a left tackle. Was healthy a lot, played a lot of snaps. Uh, you know, missed the game every now and again. But, again, he, he probably played like 95% of the games. Like, he missed one game this year. That was the kind of injury he'd have. He'd, he'd miss one game. That was it. So... Right now, you've lost two guys. And it feels like you got to watch a bunch of other players. Like There's a bunch of others who could they maybe transfer. Look for greener pastures. And I'm going to read off names. Granted, there's, I, I'm not putting out there speculation of these guys maybe transferring. These are names that I will be watching because they're the ones who could definitely impact. You know, when development players transfer, that's obviously a hit. Those are guys that you're obviously not going to get back, and you can't develop them and, and uh, benefit from those players. But when you lose starters, when you lose Lapuahu, who had three more years of, of playing left, and Daniel Grishik, who had, I believe, at least one, maybe two, because I think he was listed as a junior. He might have had a super season for, I think he was a graduate junior, actually. So he either had one or two. He's going as a graduate transfer, so he may only have one more year. But you get guys, we thought we were going to return a bunch of guys from this team. We thought I thought we were going to return four experienced offensive linemen. Now we're only getting back three. Thought we could potentially bring back both defensive ends and like the, the entire two deep on the defensive line. We've lost Daniel Grishik, and there seems to be rumblings that Vaughn may follow. 
you might lose both uh, defensive ends. So looking at other names, like here are names that I'd be keeping an eye on. You know, Terrell Vaughn, uh, Otto Tia, who's slated to maybe step into the, the depth chart. I know he didn't play too much, but he's slated to kind of become one of the top receivers. Uh, Robert Briggs, A.J. Vongpachong, M.J. Tafisi, Kaleo Nevis, you know, Nine Davis. Like That's not like all the names, but these are the kind of players that, again, I'm not speculating them entering the transfer portal. I have nothing in terms of information on any of these guys. It's just those are the kind of players you suddenly have to worry about. These are contributors that we're expecting to get back, and maybe we shouldn't be. They could end up deciding to go somewhere else to finish up their football career. Some of these guys, after having a great you know, breakout year, Terrell Vaughn had a great breakout year. Could these guys decide to move on? It's a possibility. Again, I don't know. The only ones I know that are confirmed so far are Daniel Grishik and Waylon Lapuaho. Those two guys are leaving. And we should probably expect to see some more in this date in the days to come. Hopefully it won't be too bad. Want to get to the text line again if you want to text in 435-339-0321. Uh, 9315 texts in. He sent to text in yesterday. Um, he said, can we make today the USU version of Festivus, seeing, it, seeing it's December? That darn bowl game. But did I hear in the post game that Coach A said Jason's line of just play better or just do better? I don't remember if he said that. He, I think he might have said something about that in terms of the offense. Um, I'd have to go back and listen to it. Because um, obviously I was, I was there in the press conference. But I'm not always hanging on there every word. Usually I'm taking notes or noting down uh, timestamps for certain quotes so I can use them in my articles. Um, 9315. Um, so he, first off, he asked me to read the text that he sent in yesterday. Then he said, uh, I'm a ride for the brand guy unless your coach leaves, which I uh, believe coach recruited these guys. So yeah, in, in reference to the the transfers, it's it's tricky with transfers because – we always want to try and have the best of both worlds. We want players to have the freedom to make the choices they want to make. We all want control over our lives. We all want to be able to do whatever we want and not have to have any consequences for choosing something different, for changing our minds. And, and generally, we'd want that for other people. But the problem is we don't want other people to make choices that, that affect us in negative ways. So in that way, we're all selfish. We don't want these guys to leave. We want them to have the freedom to choose, but we want them to choose us. We want them to choose Utah State. So it's frustrating to see these promising players go. Because like, yeah, we understand, you know, best of luck to you, you know, we're, we're glad you were here. But at the same time, it's like, ah, gosh dang it. You know, you lose a guy who had eight and a half sacks. You lose a guy who started 13 games as a true freshman on the offensive line who is going to help anchor you know, an interior offensive line that would have a lot of experience and a right side of the offensive line that was going to have a lot of experience. Well, at least relatively a lot of experience. And it's just really frustrating because you want to see guys stay loyal. You want to see them ride it out. 
But at the same time, you understand these guys are looking out for number one. They're looking out for themselves. They have ambitions. They want to play the best football they can play and maximize their opportunity to maybe play at the next level. You look at a guy like Waylon. He may have suddenly start thinking like, hey, maybe if I, you know, I started as a true freshman for a solid G5 program, I can probably go somewhere else and, you know, maybe start there, you know, work three years and then maybe get to the NFL. Maybe become a mid to late round draft pick. Get to the NFL. Get paid. I don't know if that's what fueled his, his uh, you know, decision to leave. Could have. Daniel Grishik maybe the same way. He was a guy that was kind of floundering in Nevada, wasn't really doing anything. He was kind of a spot, you know, pass rusher, a third down sub in at defensive end. And then suddenly he got a full-time starting gig at Utah State, made a pretty good job of it, getting eight and a half sacks, led the team. Now he's looking somewhere else. He's trying to better his opportunities or get the best opportunity he can. And it's just really frustrating because you have to have a lot of patience and a lot of charity for these guys. Because what they're doing, you know, when you're a fan of a team and a good player leaves your team, that hurts you. When you invest emotionally into a football team and those football teams, you know, those players don't show the same investment in the team, it hurts. Because you feel like, you know, we'll feel like we put investment into them. And we spent all season talking about guys like Grishik and Lapuaho and, and all these guys that may end up transferring. We've been talking about them, talking about the team, praising them at times, criticizing them at others. And when they turn around and just walk away, it, it, it kind of hurts. So you can understand the, the spurned feelings of people when they say, oh, you know, these guys left and you kind of are mad at them for a second. And then hopefully the better part of you takes over and you realize, okay, they, you, know, you have to understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's because they want to maximize their own potential. I have done it in my own life. I've left jobs because I wanted to seek better opportunities. Heck, this job, I left a job to come here. Because I, I had a better opportunity to, to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want to stay at my previous job. I wanted to do what I'm doing now. And I had to tell some people who were disappointed that I was leaving because it hurt their business. Not like a ton. I mean, I was replaced pretty quickly. But still, it meant they had to replace somebody. So in the end, we all got to recognize, and I think most of us understand here, there's some people who get really uh, get really mean over recruits and they start talking about loyalty and fighting through hard times, but Waylon Lapuaho isn't trying to fight through hard times. He started as a freshman. So it's not like he's fighting through hard times and in, in getting overlooked. He's trying to maximize his own potential. Daniel Grishik the same way. Grishik, I guess you could say he didn't fight through hard times at Nevada. Maybe you could argue that, but then he fought through it at Utah State. Fought through a depth chart that had Patrick Joyner and Byron Vaughns and others. Jumps up to the top of the depth chart and makes the most of it. Now he's going to try and, you know, step up. Uh, a couple more texts coming in. Nine through one five again says, uh, who was it that posted 
who was it that posted just saying they're leaving within 30 of the first post that they have an offer from a snobbery school down south? Um, I'm saying somebody posted like on one of the players leaving, they had an offer from somewhere like BYU, Utah. I'm not sure I fully understand. I have another text from 6860. It says, unfortunately, I wish these guys were not just thinking about the NFL. Some of them may be thinking about getting paid right now with NIL. Some of these guys might be able to go to a school where they can make money right now. They're basically just testing the free agent college market. And yeah, that, that's certainly that's certainly fair. Um, you know, there, there's some guy. I think Grishik may be thinking about the NFL. He's a little further along. Lapuaho is maybe just having those thoughts of maybe I can get to the NFL. Um, maybe he's trying to to step up. And for Lapuaho, maybe it is testing the the free agent college market for him. And maybe Grishik's doing the same. Or maybe there's tampering. I don't know. People keep talking about how there's tampering going on with, with, uh, with G5 programs and guys tampering with their uh, stars and telling them to enter the portal. Because if you know you've got an offer there, you know, like barely within an, a couple of hours, Daniel Grishik had offers to Missouri and one other place. I'm spacing the other place. Maybe it's Arizona. But yeah, so nine through and five. He's clarifying his earlier text just real quick. Says thirty after they were leaving USU, the BYU gave an offer. So yeah, maybe there was somebody who got an offer from BYU right after leaving. Maybe it was Lapuaho. I don't know because I mean Lapuaho. He's from down in. Uh, he was a Bingham, so he was closer to to BYU in Utah growing up. Maybe he wants to go to BYU, and that's something that can certainly happen where. You know, guys from Utah State, I don't think it's happened a ton, actually. It seems logical that maybe some guys that come to Utah State because maybe they were not good enough to get into BYU or Utah get recruited by them. You think maybe they'd transfer to BYU and Utah, but I don't think that's happened a ton. It's happened. But I can't remember too many instances of that happening. Like, it happened with the basketball team. But that was when Craig Smith went to Utah. You had like two guys transfer to Utah in, in uh, Wooster and um, Marco Anthony. But it could happen in this case. Maybe Lapuaho thinks he's going to be able to get into BYU or some other uh, college program. Maybe wants to get into a P5. But kind of getting back to 6860s, um, you know, talking about free agent college market, it's just. That is sometimes what it is. And you think that every time somebody goes into the transfer portal that they have a plan, that they know what they're doing. But not always because there's so many people, so many athletes enter the transfer portal and they end up not moving up or even getting to move sideways because sometimes you're just making a lateral transfer you just need to go somewhere else. You look, you know, Daniel Grisha going from Nevada, Utah State. That's pretty much a lateral, you know, G5 to G5 within conference. You know, there are these guys that think they could just be able to move laterally or even move up. Like right now, it seems like Lapuaho and, and Grishik are transferring because they want to move up. 
but they may not always get that opportunity. You don't always find a landing spot. It's these guys, they're testing free agency. Maybe they want to make NIL money right now. It might be a little harder for Lapuaho. He might get some just from a collective where they give it to guys who aren't necessarily, you know, mark, you know, offensive linemen tend not to be marketable unless they're NFL guys. Like clear-cut first couple of rounds NFL guys. Defensive ends are a little more marketable because, you know, sack artists and whatnot, especially a guy like Rishik who's a pass rushing, uh, you know, that, that's the thing is pass rushing because that's the most notable aspect of, of being an edge player. But still, these guys could be chasing NIL money. They may have already had an offer from somewhere. Grishik's got two now, so he's not, he's not having a problem. He's got two power five offers. We'll see what happens with Lapuaho. But sometimes these guys don't find a landing spot. Sometimes they have to go down to, to JUCO or FCS. Or sometimes they just never find a landing spot. So the transfer portal is always just a tricky place. The Wild West is maybe one or two people have ever called it. They really should start calling Transfer Portal the Wild West because nobody ever calls the Wild West, right? It's a crazy place. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the bowl game. Utah State falling to Memphis 38-10, to or as the first draft of my uh, tweet that I sent out said, uh, 41-10. It was actually 38-10. Had to delete that first tweet. But we'll uh, talk about that next. Anything we can learn from that bowl game. What we can maybe learn moving forward for Utah State, their offense, their defense. You know, what things can we learn? That'll be coming up next here on Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan. For more than a century, S.E. Needham Jewelers has been repairing jewelry and watches in Cache Valley. We do all our work on premises, and you may even talk directly with our expert technicians. We also have today's state-of-the-art equipment, including a laser welder that will repair jewelry with precision. We guarantee our work and offer competitive prices. So whether repairing your precious wedding ring, sizing a ring, or simply changing a watch battery, come to Utah's oldest jewelry store with today's newest technology and repair. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Prodigy Brewing has so much appreciation and gratitude for the warm embrace Cache Valley has given us. We want to invite you to join us for Sunday brunch from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Our Sunday-only brunch menu features sweet and savory options such as chorro French toast, chilequiles, fried chicken egg sandwich, and a Bloody Mary bar. You also won't want to miss our hash browns. Whether you're out with the family or friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley. Open seven days a week, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. This is Mark at the Sportsman on Main Street. Winter is here, and that means downhill and cross-country skiing. Come and see us for great boot fitting and advice on your next ski and ski boot purchase. We guarantee the best prices and the best service you will find. We usually can mount your bindings in 24 hours or less. We also rent brand new cross-country and skate skis and snowshoes. Have fun this winter. Let us help with expert advice on the best gear and clothing from the Sportsman on Main Street in downtown Logan with tons of free parking in the back. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. 
Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. The college football bowl season moves into the new year with the ReliaQuest Bowl. Catch the SEC's Mississippi State Bulldogs against Illinois' Fighting Illini from the Big Ten. The Bulldogs and the Illini, live from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa for the ReliaQuest Bowl on Bowl Season Radio. Monday, beginning at 10 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. St. Joseph's Indian School is much more than a school for Native American children. It's like a family. Classes are fun here. I am learning about my culture. Since 1927, St. Joseph's Indian School has provided children the education, health care, and support they need to succeed. To help give our kids brighter futures, learn more at stjo.org today. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Back full court press. Jason Walker with you here. Just Jason Walker so far. Eric Franson is making his way back. So we have still not done a full show with both me and Eric on since like last Tuesday or something. Actually, it might have been like last Monday. Eric may or may not be able to join the show. He's uh, like I said, he's driving back. There's ways we can get him on, but if he's the one driving the car on the way back, we may uh. I may uh, decide to pass. I don't want him doing a radio show while he's driving. Uh, maybe we could have him on for at least a little bit. But we do have a lot to talk about either way. There's enough for me to flap my gums for a couple of hours. Just finished our first segment where we went over just the damage we're seeing in the transfer portal already, and I should probably be keeping an eye on Twitter just to just to know if anything new has happened. Um, I don't know how many different players have, uh, yeah, there's any new ones that have come across. I'll, uh, I'll see if something happens. I'll, I'll try and check between the breaks and see what's going on. But there's, there's a lot going on in the transfer portal. And heck, today there was also the news that, uh, that Pele, the legendary soccer player has passed away. I know it's it's been a long time since his playing days, but obviously, whenever you have a a legend passing, not just legend, like this is like probably the name in soccer. You know, it's the Michael Jordan of soccer, or rather, Michael Jordan is the Pele of basketball. That's the more accurate way to put it. So. Of course, Pele isn't the only one. There's also Maradona. Also, we got Messi and and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So there's obviously a lot of, and we lost Maradona. It was either earlier this year or last year, or actually, I I forget exactly when he 
when he passed on. But it's it's tough when whenever you lose a legend like that, and obviously that that puts into perspective. Obviously, we're we're losing our minds over a couple of uh, young adults deciding to move on from Utah State, and we uh, obviously are dealing with the real life loss of some of our legends, but. Um, speaking of losses and, and less significant losses than uh, than death, we can talk about Utah State in their bowl game. How's that for a for a segue? <laughs> Not my best work, but Utah State in their bowl game on Tuesday, so just a couple of days ago, I was there in I, I was there in Dallas, there at uh, Gerald, is it Gerald R or Gerald F Ford, whichever one isn't the former president of the United States. It's Gerald Ford Stadium, but not the Gerald Ford that we all know. Uh, they're on the campus of Southern Methodist University. Utah State losing by a uh, basically a blowout score of 38-10. to 10. Uh, So 28-point loss, four touchdowns. Just never really seemed to be in it after, you know, kind of late first quarter. Uh, the Aggies started out well on defense. Were a bit slow on offense. Memphis is slow on offense too. That's why you know that's why I said the defense starts out good. They hold Memphis on a couple of possessions. You know the first possession, Memphis goes down uh, with a few big plays, and then Utah State gets a couple tackle for loss and a sack, and then they force a punt. Then they just completely work Memphis over on the next drive. The Memphis goes three and out. The Utah State was also slowing up. So then Memphis goes up 3-0. They get a field goal on their third drive. Utah State gets a field goal on their third drive. And then that was basically the last time Utah State was really in it because Memphis goes down, they score a touchdown. Utah State, I don't think they went three and out. I think they um, maybe got like a first down. They went like 25 yards, punt. Memphis goes down, scores another touchdown. So it's 17-3. Then another one. So you're down 24-3. to um, and it, it's just it's just harsh. And that was the halftime score, and it just kept getting more frustrating, especially because that last Memphis touchdown. Like Utah State had a chance to, you know, if they got if they put together an offensive possession, there was like three or so minutes on the clock when they got the ball for the. I guess it was the second to last time in the half. The last possession of the half was just run one play, go to the halftime locker room. Utah State had a chance to make it. I guess it would have been seventeen ten. If they put together a offensive possession, slow some of the momentum, get some of your own. Utah State got the ball out of halftime, but then they blew it. Give the ball back to to uh, Memphis, and then Memphis marches down instead of, at worst, going down like to halftime 17-3 if you put together anything on offense. The Aggies went three and out, punted away, went down halftime 24-3, and that was like it felt like the game was over at that point. It felt like Utah State couldn't muster anything and nothing was working. And the entire night, the offense wasn't working. And then it didn't help that Cooper Lega goes down with the with the leg injury, probably just like a – talking to, to Coach Anderson or asking about it in the, the post-game presser, it seems like Cooper Lega is going to be fine. This isn't going to be like a Logan Bonner situation where Bonner was basically ruined injury-wise or – you know, mentally, because physically uh, Bonner was fine, but um, mentally just never seemed to recover from that injury, among other reasons he struggled this season. 
Lagan seems like he'll be fine by spring ball. But then you bring in Bishop Davenport, and then Utah State gets basically one drive where they hit a couple of big plays and they get a touchdown. And that was basically all of Utah State's offense. Meanwhile, Memphis. Like Memphis was getting whatever they want. And in the second half, credit to Utah State's defense, they stepped up. In the second half, first couple of possessions from Memphis, they held them to a punt, and then they forced a fumble and recovered it. Gave Utah State the ball on like the you know, 30-something yard line. So the defense came to play in the second half, but the offense still didn't show up. But for a lot of this game, Memphis was getting whatever they wanted on offense. The enti- most of the first half, like back half of the first quarter and the entire second quarter. Memphis had 21 points in the second quarter. And it felt like all they had to do to get like eight yards in any given play was throw a swing pass to the running back. Or, you know, a little screen pass to the wide receiver. And then they just run to the outside, run around the end, you get eight yards, maybe 12, 15. And the one thing it really showed is this Utah State team still doesn't have speed. And at least they're not like the Matt Wells teams that would try and pretend they had speed when they didn't. They'd throw bubble screens 100 times a game. And try, and, you know, when they played FCS teams, they'd outspeed them and play really well. But it really goes to show that when teams have speed, they can get around the end on Utah State. Air Force does it all the time. Other teams were doing it this year. If I remember correctly, I think Wyoming did it. There's somebody who's there's other teams that have been able to just they run to the outside and they get all the yards they want. And it, it's frustrating because you think, oh, that's what just what G5 programs do. Well, Memphis is a G5 program. How are they getting all the speed? So Utah State is struggling to recruit speed on their team. And then you also have Blake Anderson talking about how they, you know, are they don't match up size-wise against these teams. So apparently Utah State's getting matched up, outmatched up by opponents in both size and speed. And that's what this bowl game kind of showed. Is that Utah State doesn't have the size or speed to compete right now. And that's something you got to work on with recruiting. You know, that's what Blake Anderson's trying to do. Don't want to say that Blake Anderson can't build teams that, you know, have size or speed because he's not had a ton of time to really develop a program. Got to wait two or three years. Even with the transfer portal and, and, you know, how much roster turnover there is, Let's give Blake Anderson time. See if he can build a roster with size and speed. Because he's he's harped on these things himself. He says he's trying to do that. We'll see if he's he's successful. A um, couple more texts from nine three one five. He had a uh, three texts actually. So I think our offensive play calling in the bowl game was not good. Only a couple of good play calls. The rest was horrible. If I had a bowl game like that, I would maybe think about transferring. Offense needed help. Is it time for a new play call play caller on offense? Also says, great work, Jason. It was the bowl game of death. Yes, it wasn't that bad. Thanks for the uh uh thanks for the compliment though. Um nine three and five also added uh SMU is an amazing campus, and why not try to bring them to the Mountain West? I actually I I, I really like the stadium. SMU stadium is great. Um it was like 30-plus thousand capacity. I think it was like 35,000, 
32 or 35,000. I forget. They had it written down somewhere and I read it and I forgot it. Um, really nice stadium. Nice looking campus. And yeah, I think I'm trying to remember what conference SMU was in. But yeah, it feels like maybe you could. Granted, SMU beat Utah State in basketball. They nearly beat BYU in football. I don't know. Is that, I can't remember if SMU was going somewhere else. If they were getting a... I can't remember if they were brought to a different conference. Or got an offer from like the the American or something. But yeah, it, it is certainly a nice stadium. They, they could be on the up and up, maybe. As far as football program. But yeah, the, the point that 9 through 1, 5 brought up, that was just another thing, is that with the offense, it felt like a lot of the old problems that the Aggies were running into, the, the problems they ran into earlier in the season, it felt like those were cropping up. You know, play calling. They were running the ball well, but at times it felt like they weren't prioritizing the run. They weren't prioritizing giving it to Calvin Tyler maybe as often as they should. And in terms of passing, like, the wide receivers weren't getting open. It felt like the passing game just didn't have any any dynamic aspect to it. There wasn't anything explosive. There weren't very many downfield pass attempts. There were a couple, but not enough. And half of the ones they ended up throwing up by the end of the game, they kept getting picked off. And so all of the old problems of the offense from earlier in the year kept cropping up. Like early in the game, you see Cooper, the guy, he's standing back there for like five seconds. The offensive line is doing its job, giving him time. He's staring down the field, and it's like, all right, who's open? Nobody's open. Or maybe if they were open, Lagarde just didn't see them. And coverage sack. They were like back-to-back coverage sacks on I think like the second or third series that ended what was a promising drive. They had been moving the ball, running the ball, getting a – connecting a couple of passes, and then bam, back-to-back sacks, it's over. Because the wide receivers couldn't get open, or Lagaw couldn't find them even if they were open. Which was a problem earlier in the year, is that Logan Bonner was standing back there looking for somebody to throw to, nobody was open. Maybe he'd have two options because they're only running routes on one half of the field. And he looks at his two guys, they're both covered, and bam, you're, you're done. And he either has to force a pass, get sacked, throw an interception. If you're lucky, it falls incomplete. And that's that. And that's what it felt like the passing attack was for a lot of this game. was just nothing. They, they barely threw for any yards. Cooper Guy had like 33 passing yards by the end of the game. I think, I think Davenport had like 70-something, if I remember correctly. But 44 of that came on one play. So... The offense just really struggled, and it was frustrating to see. And Blake Anderson at the end, like in the press conference, he was talking about the offense, how they had to play better, and he was trying to take accountability for it. It's like, yeah, you better. Um, Because that offense has to get better. And we'll talk a little bit about maybe how they can get better, like what the situation is like for this team, Um, especially with some transferring. like, what do things look like right now as far as how do they improve, what pieces you're taking – from this year into next year, what newcomers, what impact they could have. We'll try and take a bit of a way-too-early look at the offense and defense um, as things go. We're going to take another quick break here. When we come back, we'll get into that. 
We'll talk a little more about the bowl game. Then we'll go into some way too early thoughts on uh, this Utah State uh, football season for 2023. So all that coming up after this on the Full Court Press. On behalf of the management team at TTM Technologies, we want to thank our more than 500 employees here in Logan for your hard work and dedication. Because of you, TTM Technologies continues to grow at a phenomenal pace. We've never been more optimistic, and the job opportunities at TTM have never been better. If you're searching for a job or considering a career change, we invite you to talk to us. Or go to careers.ttmtech.com to review our open positions. Happy holidays from all of us here at TTM Technologies in Logan. We're right in the middle of holiday season. Most of our focus is on family and friends, as it should be. But don't forget your vehicles during the cold winter months. At Valvoline and Oil Change, we'll make it easy on you to get an oil change, have your vehicle's fluids checked, and if needed, check emissions and renew your registration. All while you sit in your warm car. It doesn't get much easier than that. Valvoline and Oil Change, 695 North Main, across from Angie's. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL, it's a Week 17 cross-conference showdown as the Seattle Seahawks host the New York Jets. Hi everyone, Troy Clarity here. Join Chad Brown and me for all the action between two teams that are in must-win mode. Can Geno Smith rally the Seahawks or will Mike White and the Jets find a way to get it done on the road? It's the Jets and the Seahawks. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Sunday afternoon, beginning at 1.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install for Vermont casting units that include stoves, venting, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. This message is for Shauna, my mom who just finished her high school diploma. I wanted to say I'm so proud of you for finishing school. You told me it's never too late to achieve your dreams. I hope to make you as proud as you have made me. When you graduate, they graduate. Finish your high school diploma for you and for them. Visit finishyourdiploma.org to find free and supportive adult education centers near you. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Join the show by calling 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back. Well into hour one of the Full Court Press. Jason Walker with you here. Still te- texting Eric France. We might be able to get him on for a little bit. 
as he's uh, on the road heading back from southern Utah. Had our We had our nice little holiday break. I uh, ended up working some of the holiday break. Granted, I, I was able to isolate. I had to work a little bit on Christmas. Wrote a recap for you guys on the uh, the... Was that the SMU? No, that was the Washington State game. Uh, didn't have to work very long. Um, and then on the 26th, which, uh, shout out to my dad, that's his birthday, the 26th. And, uh, after having some time to celebrate with him, I was able to, you know, I flew out to, to Texas. Thankfully, nothing went terribly wrong. Because I flew, I didn't fly Southwest. I don't know if you guys heard a bunch of Southwest uh, flights got canceled. But I flew uh, American Airlines. So I flew out 26, got to Texas, got to Dallas, went to the bowl game 27th, and flew back. It was reminiscent of when I bust out to Columbus when Utah State went to the NCAA tournament in, in that year, went to play uh, Washington. It was like, a, I think it was a 30-hour bus ride. And we didn't stop. It was basically nonstop. There was stops for meals. Um, basically, yeah, we had like two or three stops in a 30-hour bus ride. There, sleep, game, bus back. And it was just as productive because Utah State lost that game too. But overall, enjoy the trip. Can't complain. Um. You know, even the Utah State loss, I, I found it a productive trip. Glad I could provide some coverage for you guys. Um, obviously, it's because of you guys that I'm able to do this kind of stuff. But, and speaking of you guys, we'll go back to the text line. Uh, you can text in at 435-339-0321. coming in again. He says, I think the defense did great, but the offense... Uh, it made them run out of energy because they had uh, so many short drives on offense. A lot of three and outs. Uh, Bonda is an amazing coach. He can get a lot out of his players and was trying to fire up the offense also. And, yeah, this is something that we talked about uh, during the season is that um, you know, the defense has been – and Blake Anderson acknowledged this too. He, he, he admitted this in, in the press conference. Like, yeah, we put the defense in pretty crummy situations. Sometimes we trust them. Like, they'll take risks because they know the defense can handle. Um, you know, they, they can handle those short fields. Because they have in a lot of cases. They've come through. I agree. Bonda is a great defensive coach. He gets so much out of that team. And I, and I criticize them for, you know, not being able to stop a swing pass route. But you can only do so much with what you got. And like last year, Utah State's defense had a lot of these same flaws, and they still stepped up big in a lot of situations. You know, there, there was people, you know, I was at the bowl game, and there was guys like, oh, wow, this, this team gives up tons of rushing yards. And it's like, yeah, there, there's some weaknesses. But then they'll have games where they step up, and they get a lot of tackles for losses. They'll get sacks. They'll get turnovers. And it's... It's like a diet version of some of the Bill Belichick defenses where sometimes they'll give up yards. It's not so much the case in every year, but some of those New England Patriots defenses would give up yards and they get a turnover. Like you could always count on New England to get turnovers on defense. And Utah State's kind of been the same way where they don't have the athletes and size 
to just shut you down. You know, Alabama just, you know, shuts you down. Georgia, they're shutting you down. Like all these great teams, they'll just absolutely wreck you with their size and athleticism. Utah State can't do that, but they play with fire and they play with, you know, and they'll, they'll execute for the most part. This season, maybe not as much. It's why they went there, why they finished the year six and seven. But the defense just does so much. And you got to give credit to the defense, but yeah, the offense just struggled. And that's been the kicker is you have a defense that was trying its best. You know, if the offense played as well as the defense did coming out of halftime, that game would have been tied midway through the third quarter or maybe late in the third quarter. Because that defense came out with the attitude of we're coming back. The offense, not so much. The offense couldn't get things going. And it didn't help the you had your starting quarterback get injured. You have to acknowledge that. But still, even before he goes out, they had like two drives where they didn't get anything going. And Cooper Legault was injured on a sack. So... We're going to take another quick break, and then we'll finish out the hour, and then we should have Eric Franson on at the top of next hour, so keep it tuned here on the Full Court Press. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient as well as the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options and the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. Les Olson IT structured cabling is second to none. Tired of old and inefficient cabling? Have an upgrade or remodel planned? Building a new network from the ground up? We offer the very best in low voltage cabling installation, including data, phone, fiber optic, and more. Ask us how to get your free consultation today. Les Olson IT. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain to climb. This is Brett Green, president of Cash Valley Bank. To conquer this mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. This is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. We are humbled by and grateful for the tremendous support we have been shown since opening our doors nearly two years ago. So we just want to say thank you. On behalf of everyone at White Pine, first and foremost, thank you for allowing us the honor and privilege of serving you and caring for your loved ones. Additionally, thank you for voting White Pine the best mortuary in Cache Valley in both 2021 and 2022. White Pine Funeral Services. Come to the FSA Extravaganza this Thursday and Friday at HSA Depot. Did you know over 500 million FSA dollars are left unspent every year? Don't let this happen to you. This is Zach with HSA Depot. Stop in this Thursday and Friday for the FSA Extravaganza at HSA Depot. We have deals on hundreds of FSA eligible items so you can get those FSA dollars spent before they disappear. Find out what you can buy. HSA Depot is located in front of the North Walmart. Happy Holidays from HSA Depot. He won't come. He's too busy. Jenny, of course he'll come. 
Happy birthday! Dad! I know, you guys didn't think I'd make it, but come on. Could I really miss my son's birthday? Here you go, Dan. Thanks, Dad. But today's Jenny's birthday. Give me that. Happy birthday, Jenny! Need to get closer to your family? Nice football, Dad. Give your family everything. Give them your time. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Finishing up hour one here on the Full Court Press. We get to the top of the hour. I, I tease when we talk about this, some of kind of a forward-looking toward 2023, kind of a way-too-early look at Utah State's maybe what their offense may look like. There's going to be players incoming and out, outgoing. Uh, we've already seen a couple today announce they're entering the transfer portal, Daniel Grishik and Waylon Lapuaho. Um, let's talk about the offense and defense there. Close out the hour on a, on a quick topic of discussion. And depending on how passionate you guys are, if you text in on it, we may end up bleeding into the second hour on this. But 9 through 1 5 kind of reminded me of this because there were a couple of decisions that were interesting. I don't really know if I'd really fault Blake Anderson. There was one that was just interesting. That's the one that 9 through 1 5 pointed out here. He says, Help me understand this. You kick a field goal at 50 plus and make it. The next time you're in that same spot, we punt it. Why? And, yeah, Utah State makes a 53-yard field goal on the, uh, I don't know if it was the north or south or, you know, whichever end of the end zone. Make a 53-yard field goal. And then they were there again. They made that in the first quarter. They were there again, I think, in the third quarter. And that was the one, I think, after the, they recovered that fumble, they got into that position. It would have been pretty much the the exact same distance. It might have been a 52 or a 54. It was a 53-yard field goal was the first one. It was Connor Coles' career long. It set a bowl record for Utah State. It set a first responder bowl record. So it was a, you know, it did. It blew a couple of records out. Or pushed a couple of records out. It broke the previous record of 52 yards. It's not like he blew a record out of the water. And his, Connor Coles' own career long was 52. Although Utah State's uh, longest field goal in a bowl game was like 44 or something like that. But anyway. So, yeah, first quarter, they make the 53-yard field goal, tie it up at three. In the third quarter, you're just needing points desperately. And they punt it from what would have been a 50, you know, 52 to 54, depending on exactly where they spot it. And I don't think the wind had changed. It was the same end of the stadium. Like, I don't know what happened there. There had to have been something, and I forgot to ask him about it. Um, I, I was focused on asking other questions. And there was another instance, too, when he kicks the onside kick. I actually thought it was kind of a cool idea. There were a lot of people on Twitter roasting Blake Anderson over kicking that, that onside kick. I thought it was a neat idea. You know, there's definitely a huge risk to it. And I understand there's a huge risk to it. And they got burned badly because you know, they scored the touchdown, there were then two touchdowns, and then you didn't get the onside, Memphis went and scored. That was their first touchdown of the second half, opened the floodgates again. So I guess in that way, there was a lot of risk, and they got burned. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if you guys thought it was a bad idea. I thought there was at least merit to it, and I thought it was bold. You get that, and maybe you score again. That maybe changes the game. Anyway, we're going to head into a break. Uh, we'll talk to you at the top of the hour. <laughs> 